Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. Calling is vision. It requires sacrifice, dedication. It requires faith. It requires us to consistently obey Jesus' request to follow him. Now, when Jesus asks us to follow him, it paints a clear image in my mind that Jesus is asking us to follow him because Jesus is not standing still. But rather, Jesus continues on and leads us in the path that he desires for us. Now, often when we're reminded of our calling, like we have been over the past couple of weeks, we begin to take steps towards it in obedience. And it's during this time that we take the next steps in our spiritual growth and obeying this calling in our life that suddenly we start feeling the true weight of our personal limitations. Because as humans, we are born with limitations. Some perhaps are born in impoverished areas. They live with a resource limitation, whether it's water, food, shelter, education, opportunities. Others are born with illnesses or disabilities. They live with a physical, mental, or emotional limitation. Even our different personalities naturally come with different limitations. Depending on your personality, maybe there's a a limit to how much people interaction you can have or how much information you can process all at once, right? It's not a bad thing. It's just we're naturally different, right? Now, you don't necessarily have to be born with limitations, but limitations also come with different stages of life. You might experience more of a financial limitation when you're first entering the workforce over later in life when you're more established in your career. You might experience more of a time limitation when you're in school and working full-time than after you graduate and perhaps you have a job that offers you a better schedule. You might experience more of a knowledge or wisdom limitation when you're younger than later in life. At least we hope it goes that way, right? And... Living with limitations can certainly be frustrating and discouraging, especially when we've just been reminded of the great calling we have to spread the gospel to all the world. We might find ourselves praying to God, please remove these limitations so we can excel in our spiritual growth. And sometimes the Lord does remove the limitations. And other times the Lord desires to work through our personal limitations instead. And if that happens, then the choice truly becomes ours. We can either accept our limitations and we can allow God to showcase his power through our limitations, or we can become bitter and decide, hey, we're not moving any further until this limitation has been removed from my life. Now, I want to stress that there is nothing wrong with asking the Lord to remove any type of personal limitations. However, if the Lord has not removed those limitations yet, it is important for us to learn to serve God and be productive for his kingdom while living with those limitations. 
I had the privilege of hearing a lecture by Reverend James Littles. He was talking about life limitations, and during his lecture, he starts talking about how when we're faced with these limitations in our lives, it becomes easy to fall victim to what he calls the idol of the ideal. The idol of the ideal. Now, what that means is falling victim to the idol of the ideal means we only seek a relationship with Christ. We only invest in his kingdom only when it comes as the ideal scenario. Only if I have fill the blank in. Only if I can still do. Only if it means I won't miss. The idol of the ideal says it's only right for me when it is convenient. I want to draw your attention to our text today. It's going to be found in Mark chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from verse 17 to verse 22. In this particular passage, Jesus was teaching in Judea. He had yet again been tested by the Pharisees with their questions, and by this point of his ministry, Jesus had performed several miracles. At this point, Jesus was getting a reputation. People knew about Jesus. So beginning with verse 17. And as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came up running, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. Verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told them. Go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. In this particular passage of Scripture, we see a man interested in inheriting eternal life. So he pursues Jesus, and he asks, hey, what else can I do? What's interesting to me is that this man was familiar with the law, the Ten Commandments. He said, you know what? Since I was young, I followed all of these commandments. Clearly, the man understood that there was something different about Jesus. At this point, he had probably heard about him. He's saying there's something different about this man. Clearly, the man believed that Jesus would be able to give him the answer to his crucial question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The passage says, Jesus felt genuine love for this man. So his response wasn't one of those backhanded smacks. It wasn't a zing. It wasn't meant as a punishment. It was out of love that he said, you know what? Here's the one thing you haven't done yet. Go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. To put it in a different perspective, Jesus wanted the man to give everything he had to be a blessing for others. Then, only then, was the invitation extended for him to follow Jesus. But according to Scripture in verse 22, it says the man's like, I'm out of here. Sad, he walked away. Because the man was disappointed by Jesus' less-than-ideal response. 
The man's question was about inheriting the eternal, but he couldn't let go of the temporary. You know, and I wonder today how many times we've perhaps refused to take the next steps in our relationship with Christ or refused to invest in his kingdom because what it requires of us is less than ideal. And my hope today is that we would come to an understanding and acceptance of the limitations we have in our lives. And that if we've allowed for some time now, if we've allowed our personal limitations to stunt our spiritual growth, that today we would make the decision and say, I'm going to learn how to serve God and be productive for his kingdom despite the limitations I live with. And even though there are many limitations we can discuss today, we can't cover them all. There are four that I want to touch on today that I believe consistently affect all of us. All of us here live with limited time, limited energy, limited skill, and limited desire. These are all four limitations we all live with, regardless of the stage of life that we are in. So let's talk about limited time. It's no surprise that time is a limited resource, especially in our area. Our commute tends to be a lot longer than the Midwesterners. I know because I lived in St. Louis, and to get to work, 17 miles, it took me about 10 minutes. Living in this area, it took me an hour and a half for the same distance. Right? Depending on your job, your commute, your personal responsibilities, you might find yourself, you might be here now, right, with a very small amount of time at the end of the day. And as believers, we know that we pursue a relationship with Jesus by reading his word and spending time in prayer daily. As believers, we invest in his kingdom by coming together with other believers. We also invest in furthering the kingdom by meeting with unbelievers, making connections, having biblical conversations, sharing the love of Christ. But the idol of the ideal would tempt us to only deepen our relationship with Christ, to only invest in his kingdom, if it doesn't limit the time that we have for the rest of our life. You know, and it's easy to rationalize, you know, when I have more time, then I can. But the truth is that if we can't follow him despite our limitations, we're not going to follow him when we have liberty and abundance in it. In other words, if we can't find the time within our limited time, it is far less likely, not impossible, but it's far less likely that our priorities would change when we have more time. Take a look at the screen. Ah, a pie chart. I love a good pie chart. Anyone else, right? Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's say you designed a pie chart. And this was based on how you spent your time, okay? You'd allocate a percentage to work, family time, school, maybe professional development time, uh, church, leisure time, social life, etc. right? You draw out a pie chart. Now, let's say that this red bar, it's up at the top, represents the time spent on eternal things, okay? Now, looking at this chart, imagine that this is a 24-hour period. If I were looking at it, I would probably say, you know what? I think I did pretty good. I had like 15 different things going on, and I didn't forget about my Savior. I spent time. It's right there, the little red bar, right? I did good. What if I were to tell you that this chart represented five years of your life? 
What if it represented a particular stage of your life? When the kids were young, when you were in college, when you lived in this state, when you worked for this particular company. Suddenly it starts having a whole lot more weight to it. Suddenly I'm not as content with my five-year chart as I am with my 24-hour chart. And for some reason, we're okay with the 24-hour chart, but it's a tougher pill to swallow if our daily chart is truly the representative of what our five-year chart will look like. In other words, how we spend our daily time dictates how you'll spend your life. Now, it's not up to me to decide what the appropriate chart should look like, but I think if you were to draw one out for yourself, you'd have to take a look at it and say, I'm okay with this being my 24-hour chart, but am I okay with this being my five-year chart? Am I okay with this being the chart when I'm in school or when I'm, living at, when I'm working at this particular job? Perhaps if we were to look at time and seasons or stages, how we spent our time daily would become more significant. Perhaps then in efforts to increase the time that we spend on eternal things, we would begin inviting the Lord into every part of our lives. As busy students, we would invite the Lord to be part of that season when we're having a crazy schedule all the time, when we're asking some of the most difficult questions. Maybe as professionals, we would invite the Lord to be part of the time we spend in each job at a particular company, to be part of the conversations and connections with our coworkers for that limited season. Sometimes we don't realize that our jobs are seasonal, right? Until you're moving on to the next one. Perhaps we can invite the Lord to be a part of our family time. Or we can invite the Lord to be part of the time we're going to live in this particular neighborhood, in this particular area, in this apartment complex. You see, sometimes it's easy to overlook the daily time management because there's not very many immediate consequences. Only there's more long-term consequences and even possibly regret. Now, I don't necessarily know that you're ever going to feel like you have enough time. But we can overcome the limitation of time by being productive in the time we have, where there is as little or it's as much as we have. If it makes you feel any better, I'll tell you this. The church is also limited by time. Jesus said he would return. This isn't going on forever. So we must ask ourselves, how can I be productive for God's kingdom within the time constraints I live with? Within the time constraints I live with. Sometimes it's not so much a question of time, but rather how much energy we either have left or we want to put into following Christ. Because life has a way of demanding energy from us. Work, family, school, the list of responsibilities goes on. All of these demanding our energy and effort. Of course, these are all things that are extremely important, these things that are necessary for our lives. But having spent all our energy on everyday life, the idol of the ideal would say that we only need to seek after eternal things if we have the energy for it. And participation in the kingdom of God has always required a great amount of effort. 
Scriptures record the level of energy the followers of Christ put into furthering the kingdom of God. If you take a look around the auditorium, you see flags raised from different countries. Even today in some parts of the world, some choose to become Christians knowing full well that at some point in their life they will be imprisoned for their beliefs. They understand that it's a high possibility of facing violence or even death. Believers around the world have and continue to put tremendous amount of effort meeting in secret, smuggling the Bible sometimes only pages at a time because it's either unlawful to be a Christian or societal pressures make it extremely difficult. And I understand that we're blessed in the United States that we don't face persecution in the same extent to the same degree of intensity as maybe somebody else does around the world. But you know what? The responsibilities of believers, it's not different across countries. God's church is a global church. And something I've been thinking about and believing frequently and recently is that there needs to be this unity among believers in the amount of energy and effort we spent into eternal things, into the kingdom of God. We need to hold ourselves accountable that we are doing our part just as believers across the world are. You know, and I think sometimes we see spending our energy on eternal things at such a high cost that we can never get back. But what if we looked at Jesus as our source of strength? What if we started believing that spending our energy on eternal things would bring strength for us and would bring strength for other believers? I'm sure many of us in the room can recall times when you did not have the energy for Sunday service or midweek faith group. You might be that person today. However, because you put the energy in, you received the blessing, you were strengthened, encouraged, inspired, you felt energized. Perhaps there have been times when you didn't have the energy to pray, and you thought, hey, you know what, I'm just going to pray for a few minutes. And as you began praying, you felt the Spirit of God fall on you, and you began to lose track of time. And before you knew it, you'd been praying for over 30 minutes. Maybe there have been times when you didn't have the energy to worship, but you decided, you know what, I'm going to slip my hand, I'm going to raise my voice, I'm going to do as much as I possibly can. And as you did, you felt the overwhelming presence of God begin surrounding you, And the power of his presence gave you the energy to elevate your worship. There is a level of energy and effort required of us, even when we don't want to, or even when we don't have it. And I understand not wanting to do something out of obligation. But if we only put any effort into the things we had the energy for, So many essential things in our lives would be neglected. You see, I am living for God today because of the effort my mother put in to teaching my sister and I how to read the Bible, how to pray, and praying with us. I am living for God today because of the effort I put into continually pursuing God. And I rely on the Holy Spirit to help me with that every single day. I am living for God today because faithful believers put the effort into discipling me. I was blessed because other believers spent their limited energy building relationships with me, speaking into my life. And you know what? Many of those that put in so much energy, they didn't always see the full results. I moved, they moved. Sometimes you put in a lot of energy, and maybe you don't see the results of it immediately. 
But the energy invested today brings long-term impact to the kingdom of God. Galatians 6, 8 and 9 reads, Those who only live to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And the idol of the ideal would have us only participate if and when we have the energy for it. But learning to live with this limitation means that I carefully consider how I spend my energy, where my efforts go. It means that I understand my energy, my efforts are not only for my benefit, but also for the benefits of others. And last, that I pursue the Lord as my source of strength. Sometimes we're limited by our skills, or at least what we think our skills are. Okay? Perhaps you don't, you're here today and you don't believe you have any type of skill that can be of value to the kingdom of God. And can I tell you something? God sees you a lot different than you see yourself. God sees you very differently than how you see yourself. You see, the Lord can see the person we can become when we follow him. He can see how we are at this present moment and what the finished product looks like. And the Lord lovingly directs and leads us through circumstances that allow us to acquire new skills that can be used for his kingdom purpose. Several years ago, I had enrolled in Bible college, and when I enrolled, I enrolled as a music major. I had played guitar in my local congregation, played guitar in my camp meetings, and my intention was to be a music minister. And after I completed my first semester, I felt strongly the Lord directing me to change my major to more of an emphasis on biblical teaching. And of course, that degree program would require me to take a number of different public speaking classes. And at that point in my life, I had zero interest in ever getting in front of any crowd to ever talk. <clears throat> I was comfortable playing the guitar in front of a crowd, probably because I could always, you know, like hide behind the guitar. Or in some churches, we had an organ, and I can just kind of hunker down behind the organ. But the idea of public speaking was terrifying. And honestly, it just wasn't in my personality. I was the kid in school when the teacher was doing a roll call, and they would say, John Patterson, Sarah Peterson, and I'm like, oh my goodness, they're going to call me next. And they would say, Brad Portella, I would get so nervous just to say here. <laughs> Years later, I realized I didn't really have to say here. I could have just done the nod, the, right? <laughs> but at that point in time, terrified of ever doing anything in front of a crowd. You know how some people are nervous laughers? I was a nervous crier. I would get so nervous, I would just cry. And now, I'm not crying in front of you, which you're all thankful for, right? Thank the Lord for that, right, at least. The point of the story being that the ideal situation would be that the Lord would only ask us to do things that we're already good at, meaning the things that we are comfortable with, the things that we are familiar with, that the Lord would only use our natural talents rather than challenging us to acquire new abilities. 
And if you only say yes to the things you can already do, you are missing an opportunity for the Lord to shape and mold you into the person he knows and he sees. And it is quite impossible to follow Jesus and remain unchanged. So we must ask the Lord, hey, Lord, what skill would you like to develop in me? Perhaps you're facing difficult situations at work or in your family or whatever the case might be. And sometimes we don't always stop and ask that. Lord, out of this difficult situation, what am I supposed to learn and glean from? Not necessarily that the Lord brought that difficult situation on you, but life just happens sometimes. Lord, what can I learn from this situation that can help strengthen my faith in you or it can help further the kingdom? This can be a rather difficult question to ask, mostly because we're always stressed out with our situation, but sometimes it's difficult to ask when what we desire is not the same as what the Lord desires, which takes us to our final limitation we'll cover today, the limitation of desire. As humans, we're constantly wrestling with desiring Jesus versus desiring what pleases us. Our human desires are often the root cause of our sin. And this is why during Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, it's not only the action of sin that brings judgment, but it's also the desires of our hearts. He says it's not just committing murder that brings judgment, but it's also if you're angry with your brother or your sister. The desires of our heart can separate us from God. And sometimes when we learn about what God desires, it scares us when we realize it's something we don't want. Go and reach the entire city of Everett. Go talk to the barista. Ask if you can pray for this person. So we create distance rather than coming closer to God. And the idol of the ideal would tell us, if we don't have the desire for it, it must not be something we need to pursue. Someone else with the desire will be a better fit for it. Let's look to scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says, Dear friends, you have always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And look at verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in us, and it is from God that we receive the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Godly desires only come from encountering Jesus, whether it's a powerful service, whether it's a faith group meeting, maybe it's a powerful encounter in your own private time. It is only through an encounter with his spirit that our desires align themselves to God. And without desire for God, the other things we cover today won't matter. Without desiring God, trying to make time for eternal things will only cause frustration, and you'll feel cheated. Without desiring God, trying to learn new skills for his kingdom will feel pointless. 
without desiring God, all of our energy and effort will be spent on temporary things of this world rather than the eternal. Now, if you're here today and you are reluctant to give more time, more energy, or learn new skills for the kingdom of God, you might be limited by the desires you have. And only experiencing Jesus will change that. So rather than frantically looking for more ways to dedicate more time, to have more energy, to learn new things, I would encourage you to find a place where you can invite the presence of God. You might actually find that you have to do this more frequently than you thought. I want to draw your attention back to our main passage of Scripture. So Jesus had told the man, go sell your possessions. The man gets really sad, walks away. He says, no way, I'm not doing this. Mark chapter 10, reading from verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And this amazed them. But Jesus said, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up and said, We have given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will now return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Jesus makes a promise here that anything you give for the Lord, you will receive a hundredfold, and you will inherit eternal life. I wonder what would have happened if that man would have stayed around to hear that part. Can we all stand together? This word today is for someone whom the Lord has been pursuing. You felt his calling for the next steps in spiritual growth. You desire to see the work of God miracles in your life you read about his power his word and you have a desire to experience it you feel the urgency of his calling but you don't know how you can possibly fulfill it your personal limitations weigh you down and they limit your faith if that is you this afternoon the lord says come and follow me i'm inviting everyone in this place to have an encounter with jesus you see, he knows your limitations. There isn't a single part of your life that is unfamiliar to him. The Lord wants you to know today, if you dedicate your limited time to the Lord, he will increase your productivity. You'll be able to do more with less time than you have before. If you spend your limited energy on furthering his kingdom, the Lord's spirit will be your source of strength. If you allow your skills to be used for his glory, he will increase 
the talents you have, and he will bless you, and it will be a blessing for others. And if you say yes to what the Lord desires, you will find yourself experiencing more joy than you have before. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now if you accept your limitations, His limitless power will make up for what you lack. And the limitations you feel restrict your spiritual growth will not be able to stand against the freedom that comes from the empowerment of his spirit. If you would like to accept what the Lord is offering today, I'm opening the front. If you want to see God do miraculous things that we cannot explain, it starts at the level of the heart. You have to be able to trust and allow him to work in you before you will see all those other things. Will you receive this today? Will you begin to come? Despite your limitations, despite wherever you're at, maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? Everything I heard today, I don't want any of that. Maybe you want to encounter Jesus and maybe he can change your mind or your heart. Will you come at this time? You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church.